I don't think that most people are lazy. I think that most people are resisting a path of life that they don't really want. Mm. And that that is expressed as laziness. Yes. And and if they were to just give themselves permission to kind of pursue or pay attention to things that naturally interested them, they wouldn't be bored anymore. Right. Mm. They would go all into that thing. Yeah. They just don't have permission to be able to do that. Doing odd end, we, and we we we're partners in a commercial real estate firm, man. So Beautiful. you know we, uh, no, I'm a partner, and and Ben is. Uh, I'm a partner you're now. You're a colleague. <laughs> <laughs> you're a colleague of mine. Uh, yes, you are a partner. You run yeah. the show. But anyways, we uh, we've been sitting here doing some work leading up to this, and it, we know how it is. It's always last second. We the mics have been right here, everything, and then we're about to get on. And it's like, oh shit. Where are we? What the hell are we doing? Yeah. So, and we, we, we're playing, we, we said this yesterday, we're playing Hurt today. So our, we usually have a third co-host as well. He also played uh, in the NFL. And uh, he actually just came down, was diagnosed with COVID. So uh, luckily he's feeling fine, but obviously he can't be around us yeah. right it now. Makes so. sense. So you did give uh, Ryan the gist of the Oh, he's, he's good. And we're recording. So oh, we whenever, whenever you okay. want to go, All we'll right. go. Well, hey, Ryan, look, look, man, we uh, – Look, I'm excited to have you on, Ryan, for, for uh, one reason in particular is I'm a serial entrepreneur and have been for a number of years. So I played 14 years in the Cowboys and then went on to ESPN as, a, as an analyst. And I got late. I was late into the game. But once I started and want, you know, started doing my research and was so enthralled about how these companies are being set up. I was like, man, I, this, is, this is heaven. You know, I, and, and I've seen companies start, fail, start, fail, but you always see certain, you know, these you know, entrepreneurs go through so much. And, and, and then through that process, when we started talking about uh, having you on, I was, I was excited, man, because I want to pick your brain. I want there, and there's so many people that ask me questions about being an entrepreneur, but I, you know, hell, I'm 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 still a baby in this, man. So, you know, let, let's go back. You know, I want to tell your story and, and go all the way back, man, for where you grew up. Um, you know how you came up, mom, dad. Uh, give us a little the, the fa- family dynamics and how you how you came up. Well, first of all, Darren, Ben, it's great to see you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a privilege and a thrill. And it's, it's kind of ironic we start with that question, Darren, because the over, over my entrepreneurial career, I've, I've developed a, a little bit of an acquaintanceship with Gary Vaynerchuk. He's spoken yeah. at our events a couple of times. We've had wine together a couple of times. And the last time I saw him, he said something that was, was so interesting to me. He said, both of us have this background of, of wanting to, of wishing we had become professional sports players and he he wanted to be the quarterback of the jets. I wanted to play first base for the Cleveland Indians. And he says, aren't you so glad that you didn't become an athlete? And I was like, no, what are you you talking about? And he says, but athletes have to quit at 40. Yeah. Or before. Yeah. It was such a cool reframe of this idea of sometimes as an entrepreneur, you feel like you're behind because mm-hmm. I'm 33. Yep. I've been at this game for my goodness, 15 years. I started when I was 18 mm. and I still feel like I'm just cracking in. Like I'm just 
figuring it out. I'm just getting good enough at this to be able to call myself a capitalist, yeah. to be a successful entrepreneur. And I've had a lot of successes and failures along the way. It is, it is a bumpy roller coaster mm-hmm. along the way. And to know that you want something for so long, since I was literally 9, 10, 11 years old, and to be cracking that in my early 30s, sometimes mm-hmm. can make you feel behind. But the truth is, you can play this game till you're 85. Yeah, right? you, you can play this game, and we're all probably going to live to be 100. Like yeah. lifespans are increasing on hey, average. Speak every for yourself. Year, so. Speak for yourself, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we, hey, we've been hitting the head quite a bit. Way too many times. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we'll make it to 100. <laughs> but we, we could be playing this game for you know, several more decades. Yes. And, and when you realize that this is a game you can get better and better and better at every year, that gets really exciting. Mm-hmm. But, but for, for me, my first business, five years old, going door to door, trying to sell hand-drawn pictures on computer paper. I, <laughs> I, I sold five. That's pretty good, actually. Well, <laughs> two of them were my dad. <laughs> and, and he provided all of the, the crayons and computer paper. So... 100% profit margins. Yes. <laughs> you, that's step one, right? Don't pay for anything. <laughs> yeah, minimize costs. Yeah. Uh, but, but I had the bug really early. I, was, I remember when I was seven years old, my mom bought me this magazine that was called Zillions. And it was mm. consumer reports for kids. Mm. And it was like young kids, 12 and under, who were reviewing toys. And then talking oh. about things like, what they were doing to shovel snow during winters to make five bucks. It was, Mm. it was that kind of a magazine. And I remember this one article about this kid saying that he was investing in stocks and he had made $30. And I I remember one morning I said, Hey, Hey mom, I want to invest in stocks. And I thought for sure she was going to say, no, that's a scam. Don't do that. I just thought for sure that was going to be her answer. And instead she says, Ryan, I think that would be a great idea. Oh, what you're going to let me do something like that. And that was the first aha, like the first Mm. insight of, okay, like there are legitimate ways to, I wouldn't have even said build wealth at the time, but like there's different paths. Mm -hmm. And I started like reading, investing in business books at 11, 12, my early teens. I just had the bug. And, but where it really got serious was I went to, to school at Indiana Wesleyan university the middle of the cornfields, and we did not have a football team. You went there if you wanted to be a nurse or a pastor, and I thought <laughs> I was going to be a pastor. And like truth be told, gentlemen, I was doing it out of what we might call like Christian guilt. Right. Like I got to do this thing in order to make God happy. Right. But mm. underneath it all, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So mm. while I was studying to be a pastor, I was building websites and learning things like search engine optimization and monetizing websites while everybody else was hanging out on Saturday nights, mm-hmm. right. I'm in I'm in my my dorm learning how to program websites. No, let me ask and you this: was was this like there. was this? I grew up and it was for me. It was, you know, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I was going to be an athlete, but there was I was an inner city kid. So the hustle for me was the thirst of money. Mm-hmm. What was the hustle for you? What was the reasoning you wanted to be? this entrepreneur? Was it money? Was it ego? Was it, you know, what was it that, that drove you? Great question. For, for a long time, I thought it was the desire for money. Mm. And I think it's easy to fall into that trap 
of thinking of thinking it's about money. Like the truth is we want something from the money. Yeah. There's something we think the money will give us. Mm-hmm. And that's really the root. That's the seed of it. And for me, freedom, which means creativity, yeah. creating things, expressing things, delivering a message, having the ability to be who you are and to create what you want to create without the limitations of money with you see, have you ever experienced this where there's a project that you're doing for the money and you hate it? Yes. And like you just <laughs> all the time. It? <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And like, we all have those things that we do to support our lifestyle, but none of us want to do those things for the fun of it. There are other things that we want to do for the sheer experience of it. Mm-hmm. I mm. love to live in that place. Yeah. And one of those strange thing is that when you're in that place, money just shows up. Like people want to work with you. People want to do business with you. Opportunities and investments just seem to flow your way. People want to hire you. And you have your choice about which ones you go to. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know that at a young age, but what I have realized is what I want is that zone of creativity that puts me at choice to do what I want to do, to Mm -hmm. pursue what it is that I want to do. And I have perceived that the accumulation of money at least gives you a route to that. But the truth is, you can do that now yeah. yeah. And, and, and you can do it through business in a way that just money and wealth and opportunity starts to flow your way. Yeah. You know, not to get too, or maybe overthink it too much, but I'm curious, you know, you went to your mother, you said, and said, Hey, I want to invest in stocks. And she said, awesome, go for it. What if she had said, that's dumb. Don't do that. Do you ever think about where maybe your path would have gone if the first time you, you put it out there that what you wanted to do, that somebody just shut it down immediately? You know, the truth is I probably would have gone back to her in two weeks. And said, <laughs> I want to start this other thing. Like, I want to do yeah. this. Like, I, I would have just kept going. Sure. But the, you're right. I remember that as like I got permission mm-hmm. to move forward. But that just speaks to who you are, though, right? Because some of us, we get that first no, and we decide, okay, Paths over, you know, it's not for me. Or, or we get that first bump in the road. It may not be a, 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 you know, a person saying no. But that just speaks to who you are. It's like, no, this is what I want. I'm going after it no matter what. There's, there's just like an understanding that you're made for something different. Uh, that you, mm-hmm. want, you want something a little bit different. And I, but I think that bug is in all of us but expressed differently. Yeah. Like I, I have a natural inclination to be interested in business. Mm-hmm. I love business. I play Monopoly and I play Madden and franchise mode. And I am kind of, like my brother beats me almost every time, but I've got the most profitable team. Right. That's right. You're that's, Jerry Jones. That's exciting to me. You are Jerry Jones on Madden, aren't you? <laughs> Get beat, but hey, you still have the yeah. most profitable Mediocre team. Mediocre product for 20 years, but we still make money. <laughs> Listen, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. We have the biggest international fan base in the world. And, Oh, we just have our hearts broken. <laughs> it looks pretty good, though. You know what? What what's really encouraging in what you said there is, and I want you to speak on this as well. Your mother didn't shut the door, and she could have easily, like Ben said, said, "Hey, you know, Ryan, go some, do, go do something else." Yes, but she allowed there to be a pathway for you. I mean, speak to your, to, to, to the relationship you have with your mother and father and, you know, what kind of, were they entrepreneurs growing up? Were they business owners or, you know, how did they approach life as well? You know, this is the one thing that I say that I, I recognize that my parents intentionally did for me. Like 
you know, I'm a, I'm a parent now. I have two young kids under five and there's all kinds of things I didn't see. Right. But there's one thing that I noticed and really clung to my, my mom was a stay at home mom until my parents split. And I was 12 when they split mm. and that had a, what well, we can talk about how that changed things. But my, my dad was a school teacher for 30 some odd years, like 35 years. And I remember him saying to me once that if he worked his entire life, his entire career, and never spent a dime that he would make about a million dollars. And that reframed a lot for me of how much a million dollars was like that, that that's why like my central focus at capitalism.com is helping people build seven figure businesses. Mm. Cause there's like something magical that happens in the brain when you cross that million dollar threshold. Yeah. Mm. But my, my parents did, did this very intentionally. They said we were always careful to not try to steer you in the direction that we wanted you to go, but where you showed a natural interest. Mm. And they said they picked that up in a parenting class somewhere. I sure think it's fantastic advice. And yes. it's the one thing that I, I hope to pass on to my kids, which is I don't hope my kids are entrepreneurs. I don't hope that my kids are entrepreneurial. I hope that my kids pursue whatever interest that they show a natural interest in. Mm. And I'll encourage that. So in sixth grade, I, I was typing a lot on the computer using the hunt and peck method. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad in sixth grade bought me this PC typing tutor game. And so I went into like seventh grade typing 90 words a minute. Mm. And what that did is my computer teacher was like, well, you don't need to be in the typing 101 class. Let's put, <laughs> let's put you in the HTML private path. HTML was this brand new language mm-hmm. for programming websites at the time, which is what I took to be able to program my first website, which ended up paying for college in the foundation of my career. And so that little insight from my dad of we're going to encourage whatever you want to pursue led him to on an impulse, buy me this typing tutor game, which as weird as it is completely changed my life because it allowed me to pursue what I wanted to pursue more easily. Mm. So, I mean, so it sounds like at an early age, you were an extremist and you haven't changed much in, in, in your way of like, you see what you see is run through it, go get it. Is that, is that a, a, an accurate assessment of who you I are? I say it slightly differently, which is if I'm passionate about something or excited about something, I want to milk that sucker. Mm. I want I want to enjoy every ounce of it. You know, Darren, it's funny you say use the word run through it because I am not wired that way to like do hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't I, I I had that time in my life where it was like let's do a tough mutter and let's like like do the like like just get let's get tough let's David Goggins this right <laughs> and and I'm just I'm not in that mode of life anymore. It's like. I want to follow my excitement. Yeah. I want to follow my natural interests yeah. and impulses. And I'm the type of person that when I've got a real interest, I go real deep into that thing. It can, it consumes me. I can't mm-hmm. think of anything more enjoyable than being fully immersed in what it is that excites you. So it is, it is not the mindset of, I want to run through this. Let's, let's get through these obstacles. Let's do what's hard. Yeah. I, I actually want to do what's exciting because that's the life I want. Yeah. And it just has occurred to me recently in the last few years that when I do that, I also like 
make a lot of money. And I also create impact and change yeah. because it's how I feel most like myself and the natural person. That Man, I, I just got so much out of that, what you yes. just said, because I have not immersed, fully immersed myself in anything. It's like, I felt like I'm a, dra- a jack of all trades. And if you conti- if I continue down the, this road of which I'm trying now to get more immersed in, in a couple of things that I'm doing, but I, 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 I'm there right there. What you just said is that, you know, when you have all these things that you want to get accomplished, but you're not fully all the way in, yeah. then you never really find that safe zone, that zone of where you feel like, man, this is my passion. I found my passion. This is what I want to do. And this is what brings me joy. I just haven't gotten there yet. So, well, and, and, and the other thing about that, I've actually never heard it put the way you put yeah. it right there. Meaning we, we, the way you hear it mostly is the hard work. That's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And you didn't say it that way. No. You said, I want to change. actually want to, <laughs> I don't seek the hard work. I see what I'm passionate and excited yes. about. And that's what gets me the results that I'm after. Not and just it, the grind or the hard work. And the passion is not like the thing you have to find. It, it is not the, the thing that you have to pursue. Mm-hmm. So, so many people, especially young entrepreneurial people will say, I want to find my passion. And there is nothing to find. Mm-hmm. There is no outside thing that is your passion. Like the passion is something that you experience along the journey. It's something that evolves and something that is nurtured as you find things that are more like interesting mm-hmm. and then exciting. And then it becomes a thing that you're immersed in because it becomes a passion. And, and, and Ben, what I've experienced is that when I am fully immersed in that and it doesn't feel like an obstacle or a challenge, it just so happens that all of those other projects or things that I'm dabbling in, Darren, mm-hmm. all they find a way to match with the thing that I'm really immersed in. Like I find that person who now can manage that project as a partner. And now I'm even more freed up to do that thing that I really want to be immersed in. Or when I'm doing a podcast or a YouTube video, somebody reaches out and, and says, I saw you mention that project. So I looked it up and I've got some resources that I think could help with that. But it requires that I'm all in on that thing that I want to be excited about. And then all these other resources just start coming my way that allow me to do those things that I'm still in kind of the interested in phase. I, I, I compared it with an employee of mine that I realized that for most of my, my career, I've been planting seeds. I've been like sprinkling seeds and hoping something would sprout. And I just keep planting seeds. But what I realize now is that a few things are starting to sprout. And rather than planting more seeds, I've got to start watering and nurturing mm, this mm-hmm. plant that is starting to, to sprout. And I know that in time, it's going to become a tree that produces its own fruit that's going to drop off and plant its own seeds. Right. And I won't even have to start new things anymore. Or think about planting seeds anymore. It's now going to be a thing that's bearing fruit that is going to be growing that for me. And that's where I want to be. I want to be in that thing that I'm so pumped about. And then it goes on to plant other opportunities for me. And I'll tell you what, dude, you, <laughs> you're attractive in, in just the way that you I work speak. out. Thank you. Well, <laughs> you're, you're both physically attractive and <laughs> no, I just mean like the way you're talking right now is just, that's an attractive quality and, and people are drawn to that. I, I can easily see that you are passionate about this and excited about it. I do got a question slash theory that I haven't really fully thought through. I'm just curious and I'm verbalizing here. I wonder what your thoughts are. 
and it's along these lines, the theory of maybe we don't have a work ethic issue. Maybe we just have a passion issue. Correct. Okay. Most of us are not lazy. We're bored. Okay. Mm. So that was my mm. theory. I, I, I needed you to validate it. Continue. I, I, I 100% agree. I, I don't think that most people are lazy. I think that most people are resisting a path of life that they don't really want. Mm. And that that is expressed as laziness. Yes. And, and if they were to just give themselves permission to kind of pursue or pay attention to things that naturally interested them, they wouldn't be bored anymore. Right. Mm. They would go all into that thing. Yeah. They just don't have permission to be able to do that. Yeah. And so they're, they're procrastinating and resisting whatever it is that they don't want to do, which in some aspects is a really good and healthy thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, to that point, I mean, I think about jobs. I've had just odd jobs that I didn't enjoy. And you kind of cut corners. You do you do just enough to get by. But when it's something, man, that I love, it doesn't even feel like work. Like I can lose myself because I just love it so much. Yes. And so I, 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 I'm glad that you said that. It validates my thoughts on if we could just all find what that is that we're passionate about, we probably wouldn't have the work ethic issues that we do. I 100% agree. There you and go. That, that, that's, yeah. when I, when Episode over. With, <laughs> you win, huh? Yeah. <laughs> when I'm working with young entrepreneurs, it, the, the thing that my message comes back to over and over and over again is what do you want? Because mm. so many of them go on this path and then they get stuck because it becomes about nurturing the profit or nurturing the growth of revenue, which is all great. Like you got to have profit mm. to stay in business. But when you start trading the excitement for the short-term profit, you end up resenting the business. Mm. And it becomes really hard to grow that thing to mid seven figures or building a business that you can sell because you end up having this clunky clunk monster of a project that is making you work 12 to 16 hour days and you don't even like it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you're bottlenecked from growing that business into something that really excites you. Whereas if you start from the vision or the problem you want to solve, or the, the thing that you want to be doing most of the time, the thing just grows and as an extension of you. Like right. that, that to me is the purpose of business. Yeah, oh, that's good. Man. That is, man. But look, I'm going to take you back because I, I think I want to get back into this, but I want to go back to the store because we got we we were just eating everything. Yeah, like, give me, give yeah. me. Let, let's go back because now I want to go back to your college days. And, you know, so many of that are out, there's so many kids out there right now or, or young uh, you know, kids that are 20 in their twenties right now, they're coming out of college need to hear what your story was with going through college and then moving forward from there. Yeah. So it, my parents split when I was 12 and when, when they split, I kind of had this thought that I was at least financially on my own. And so there were, there was from like age 12, 13 until I left for college, I was working two, three jobs at a time. Mm. I cleaned toilets wow. at my church I umpired in the summer. I had a after school job at Dunkin Donuts like every day. Right. And I was, I was doing all of these things sometimes at the same time. I, I waited tables at friendly shout out to anybody who knows what that restaurant is. <laughs> I do. I do not. I, I, I remember I friendly. Not. Yeah. Yeah. I remember friendly. <laughs> so, uh, so like that was, that was 12 to, to 18 of, of managing odd jobs, multiple ones at a time. And I was going to school thinking I was going to be a pastor. And when I was diving into my youth group was really my solace when, when my family broke up because 
I got kind of my meaning and my purpose from, from diving really deep in, into my youth group and into my church and into my faith at the time. And so I went to school thinking, all right, let's continue this. I'm going to be a pastor, maybe even a youth pastor. And at the time, pastors made like $30,000, $35,000 a year uh, full time. And I wanted a different way and still had this entrepreneurial bug. And so in college, I'm a declared Christian ministries major. Mm. You know, studying to think I'm going to be on staff at a church somewhere, secretly resenting the whole thing because I've got this internal drive that I really want to be an entrepreneur. But now I've bought into this belief that the love of money is the root of all yes. kinds of evil. Yep. And I've bought into this idea that it's harder for the rich person to go through the eye of a knee. Or, yep. I just messed up the quote, but you yep. know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Then, then for a camel <laughs> to go through the eye of a needle. Yeah. Thank you. And that, by the way, that is the most misquoted passage. It's actually fascinating when you unpack both of those. Um, <laughs> G- Jesus is actually saying money can be a really good thing, but I'm, I'm, I've now got this internal conflict mm-hmm. of, I feel like, I need to go be a pastor because I think it's what God wants. But yet I also kind of really like money and I'm excited about the idea of being an entrepreneur. And I'm dealing with this, with this tear in the middle of this. And I had this professor in college, her name was Dr. Constance Cherry, who said in front of an, an intro to a pastoral ministries class, she says, listen, please catch this. If you can do anything else, but go into the ministry, and still be happy, please go do that other mm, thing. Wow, that's it, something. It was it was like one of those moments in my yeah. life right. Wow, where she just gave me permission. If you can be happy doing something else, go do that. Because if you do not have a genuine call on your life to go do this, yes. nothing will be harder. And, it's, and, and I actually use that phrase when talking to entrepreneurs. Like if there are other things you can do and still be happy, Go do that other thing. This is a game of happiness, mm-hmm. not a game of stacking cash. Now, stacking cash can be really fun. But when you think that that's your purpose and your meaning, you're, you're, you've lost the game. Mm-hmm. And so that was such a big moment for me of realizing it was okay for me to follow this internal desire of business and money and personal growth. And so I started my first business, if you could call it a business, my first profit streams from my dorm room in college, which ended up paying for college and allowing me to be a full-time entrepreneur as soon as I graduated. What was that business? So basically what I did was I, I learned search engine optimization and I learned that you could build these tiny websites and get them to rank in Google. Mm-hmm. And so I had a few SEO clients and I also built a few websites that just sold things from the free traffic that I was getting from Google. And I started doing things like consulting for other entrepreneurs or uh, other companies that want, this was kind of a new thing, search engine optimization. Actually, I gave a presentation to this insurance company uh, and ripped apart their SEO. And this 19 year old kid is, is giving them advice, which they didn't like very much. Um, and, and they didn't follow it. And I think they went out of business. Um, but, oh. but, so as, in college, I was just obsessed with internet marketing and search engine optimization. And that set the foundation for, for my life. So that old HTML, all that paid off. Yeah, in the say end, that, that middle school <laughs> class. <laughs> Thank you. Seventh grade. Yeah. Computer teacher. Yes. So what year was that, that you started that? What year did you say? I took, I took, uh, I remember I registered my first domain, uh, I think in June of 2006. Okay. Mm. So what was June, 2006? What was it like 
to market yourself in that realm? How did you get clients? What did you do to go about to market yourself? Uh, well, at first it was very humbling because I mean, I built these ugly hand coded websites <laughs> and with terrible content on them. And I, I'm, I'm coding them and like hand coded them on Dreamweaver on a <laughs> dial up computer. <laughs> and, and, and so it was like super humbling at the beginning. And like the strange thing is you look back on them now and those are your fondest memories. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the time it was like kind of, embarrassing to, <laughs> to, to kick things off in that way. But, but I remember when I, I took my first sale on a, on a website and it was like, you know, I made like $44. But how good and did that feel? Good. Nice. It was, I literally danced in my living room. <laughs> it was it, that, that. And so like th- last week I had uh, a few students who launched their businesses and took like their first $27 sale and living through them vicariously felt exactly like that oh, feeling awesome. in 2006. That's awesome. Where, you know, their profit margins are, you know, they're making at this point, you know, less than 50% profit. So they're, you know, it's not like it, all the $27 is theirs. Right. Mm-hmm. It, that feeling is like, it's the most validating thing that this is not just an idea in your head, but this is real life reality. Yeah. And you realize that there are other people on the other side of those transactions. And when you get that it's people making decisions and purchases rather than just some random thing going on in the computer. It is just the most exciting thing. And this thing gets yes. real fun, real fast. And, and there's something about it being yours too, right? That part of that is that excitement because you could, you could go to work for somebody, or at least this is my experience. You go work for somebody and make a sale, your first sale ever. Right. And there's some excitement there, but there's something about it being yours. Right. Yes. And, and it's all mine. And I made that sale. It's kind of like this podcast. I remember our first Downloads. I'm your like, podcast I can't, because- I can't believe somebody actually listens. I, I, I was just like you dancing in the middle of the living. Room. Like, I can't believe right. people actually. And he to said that I can't believe someone. But listen, I'll, I'll give you a little color on that. Ben is the podcast. He's the one that holds myself and Tyler, who's not here today, but he holds us accountable. Make sure we're here. He's booking the guest. He's doing all the work. So it's his baby. And now it's kind of, we're sort of pulling that off of your hands a little bit to, to make it our baby as well. But, but as you can tell, like he's, he, I remember the first time we started getting downloads and this was six months ago when yeah. we first started. And it was like his, I could see it in his face to say, man, this is, and it wasn't about the money. It was just about, we're making an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. I didn't grow up like you. I, I actually grew up my desire and my one focus was sports. I never, I don't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body or I didn't Mm. until I discovered this podcast, honestly. And it's for the first time I'm excited about something outside of the sports world. It's, it's pretty fascinating actually to think about it. Yeah. That, that growth, that idea of progress, that idea of something that you created impacting and touching somebody else. And like you said, Ben, that idea, you own the ladder. Mm -hmm. You did the whole thing yourself. You're not climbing up somebody else's ladder. You own the ladder. Oh, that's a good. And now it's reaching other people. There's just, there's nothing more deliriously exciting. That's a good analogy. All right. So we'll go, let's go back to college. All right. So now you've made, your teacher had that, the professor had that conversation. The light bulb came on. What happened after that? I changed majors. <laughs> that's, that's what I did. And, uh, and honestly, this is one of my regrets in life is that I changed majors mm. because I, I now I'm like, okay, I really don't think I want to be a pastor. 
So I already own a business. I like business. I might as well study business. And what I discovered, I think having a business administration degree is, you know, it would be great during COVID because it can act as toilet paper. Mm. <laughs> but apart from that, it's the most worthless piece of paper. Wow. See, you say that, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is amazing. Oh, that is amazing. Because, you, you know, what are we seeing in today's world? We're seeing kids spend thousands and thousands of dollars and, and not only spending money, but, you know, creating debt. Yeah. To, to for what? Yeah, for exactly. For what? Now, the one thing it did for me was it forced me to take a few economics classes and my, I ended up minoring in economics and nothing I don't think made me a more educated person at looking at the world and how it works and how we make decisions Mm -hmm. and policy impacts on, on businesses and on the economy and the role that entrepreneurs play in creating a bigger pie not just getting more of the pie, not just getting rich, but actually expanding the amount of resources and money that increases in this, that exists in the system. Like when you start a business, you create an expanded economy that opens up new opportunities for Mm -hmm. other people. I think that if I hadn't studied that, if I hadn't had that realization, I still would have had this internal conflict that I had from the church of struggling between this desire for money, but also wanting to do good and thinking they were opposite. And so really learning about economics showed me that when you make money, it expands the pie. It creates new things. It expands resources. It actually helps other people. It's the fastest way to do service to other people is for you to do well yourself. So I'm thankful for that realization that came from studying economics. But the business administration degree itself, I think, is a waste of time, not only because it's putting people into debt for for what, but Mm -hmm. also because most of what's being taught in universities and colleges and business programs is about a very old way of doing business Mm. that is no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. The opportunities that exist for us now have made obsolete the businesses of the past. And the things that I know that, you know, as a podcaster and the relationships we have as a result of the things that we do are ahead of the curve compared to most big businesses. I, I, I tell the story, like if you are if you are 30 or under and you have a good grasp of social media and you're used to that being part of your life, you are ahead of most companies. It's mm. why there are so many big companies who are buying up businesses that are started by 21-year-olds that are just excited about something to release in the world because big companies can't keep up with the changes that are happening in the marketplace due to the internet and the new opportunities that are coming there. And so I just think that we're doing a disservice teaching this old way of structured business when we actually are moving past that as a result of the opportunities that we have now. So are you going as far as telling young kids, so say I'm an 18, 19 year old, listen to this. Are you going as far as saying, hey, college isn't the right, I mean, obviously it's individual, but if you were going to speak in generalities, what's the alternative in your opinion? Well, to to be, I, I get this question often from kids who are in college. And the first thing I tell them is, look, I have a great life. I like. I have nothing to complain about. I'd give it all up for one more year at college. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go to college, stay in college. It's some of the best time of your life. Right. But, but please, please just study something that you like. Yeah. Mm. It, it doesn't need to lead to a career. You don't have to study something that you're going to make a career out of. Although it can be because you make a career out of anything. 
please study something that you like. Because what you like goes back to that point that we've been hammering home. If you have an impulse for something that genuinely interests you, the marketplace gets behind that and Mm -hmm. opens up opportunities for you to stay in that zone. Like the state of capitalism that we're in now is that there's so much money and opportunity in the system that the biggest scarce resource we have is people who are genuinely excited enough to pursue something. Mm. And there's enough money and opportunity in the system to get behind that, to support that person to where if they've got something that really lights them up and excites them and that may become a passion for them, there are opportunities for them to do that full time. So please do that. That's such, that's such a good perspective because you know, it's the, it's the glass half empty thought process because you can look at the marketplace and think, man, it's crowded. It's saturated. But you just said the opposite there. No, there's so, what we're actually lacking is people who have that passion, that desire to pursue. Yes. Man, that's good. You don't want to take that away. And the marketplace is a great reflection of where we have needs. My economics teacher used to say, so many of you are wondering, what's God's plan for my life? What's my purpose? And he's like, God gave you the marketplace. Look at where there's money. Go after that. That's the sign that there's need in the world. Yeah. So Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with going into the marketplace in the pursuit of money. I think it's a great filter for where there's need, but there's also need even more need for people to be so jazzed up about something that then they see the problems that exist in that area of interest. And that creates opportunities for them to both be excited about what they're doing and make a lot of money. Oh, that's good. So you, you changed your major and let's, let's fast forward. What was your life like after college? What did you do? Where'd you go from there? Really lonely. So, mm. so the my hardest years of my life were the ones after college. So I graduated, I had this cool business that I'm, you know, making six figures a year. Mm. I moved back to Ohio. Uh, I moved into a really sweet lakefront apartment and I had no idea what to do. So like I, I know I, I don't have to go find a job, mm-hmm. but that also means I'm not going in to see people every day. And so I found myself in this very confusing period of life of, I know how to make money. I have nothing that excites me. And now I'm bored and alone in a computer in my beautiful apartment. Oh, what the heck am I doing with my life? And this was the big crisis of meaning, the big crisis of faith the dark night of the soul, as we sometimes call Mm, it, where there was, I got what I thought I wanted, which was the freedom that money gives me. And now I have no idea what to do with with this freedom. Hey, wanted to take a quick break from the episode to thank our sponsor, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka is distilled from corn and certified gluten-free. In the mid-90s, Tito Beverage, yep, that's his real name, Tito Beverage, built his very own micro distillery in Austin, Texas incorporating the boutique winery concept into the spirits industry. He acquired the first legal permit to distill in Texas and put his life savings into it, racking up 19 credit cards to build his own copper pot stills and condensers. He continues to produce award-winning smooth American vodka on the same land where, where it all started over 20 years later. Tito's has won a, the unanimous judge's choice double gold medal at the world spirits competition among other awards It's got a modest paper label on a sip of bottle. So all you pay for is the exceptional vodka inside. Visit us at titosvodka.com for recipes, videos, and more for the Tito's story. Crafted to be savored responsibly. Oh my goodness. That that is a concept I'm arm wrestling daily. Because it's such a hard concept to grasp if you don't have money. That money's not going to fix everything for you. 
And it's, it's like, oh, well, that's easy for you to say. You've got money. Right. But when you do get, get it and, and it's not what you thought it was going to be because you're not doing the things that you want to be doing to make that money, it is very, very lonely and empty feeling. That's a great way to describe it. And, and it's, it's that idea of the money is the route to something that you truly desire. It's why pursuit of money is fine. But what we really want is something that the money gives us. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, never considered this, Ben. I had never considered the idea that, well, what happens? What do I want to do once I get this money that I've wanted since I was 11, 12, 13 years old? Yeah. Yeah. That was a yeah. heavy question. Yeah. I mean, and I had no idea. And that, that was about three years of depression, loneliness, and really probably the hardest time of my life. So what, what did you end up doing then? I mean, what was, did you meet someone? Was there a you know, mentor? Did you, you, know, you know, follow along that path? And, and what, what was the next steps for you? Yeah, there's, it's, it's funny because I've never put the pieces together backwards from there. But it was a, a big moment for me when I met who is now my best friend. His name is Mark Jenny, who served as like a mentor brother figure to me. And became like my first really deep friendship. And he was going through some of that himself as well on kind of a a bigger scale where he had, you know, he had a hundred employees at the Mm. time. He had, he had a really profitable business at the time and was now experiencing the same thing of like, man, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to make a lot of money. What do we do with this? And there's really no clear answer to it except to go back to what interests you and excites you. And there's no, again, there's like no clear answer that's like waiting to be found. Right. It is tasting and trying different things, visiting different cities. I've filled that hole for a while with just travel, mm-hmm. with just seeing different cities and different countries and different cultures and different foods and the way that people lived of just tasting these little cultures and these different ways of living your life. And, and that opened up the opportunity for me when I was 26 to put everything that I owned into my Kia Sportage, my 2013 <laughs> orange Kia Sportage. Nice. And, and, and I, and I, hey, that was, that was a sweet car. <laughs> and heated and cool seats. Oh man, brother, you were spending that, that money summer. right. Mm. And uh, everything I owned into this car drove to Austin, Texas, and I never left. Wow. And so that ended up opening the next chapter of my life of just being willing to follow that impulse and to pursue where my interests lead me. Now, here's the good news and the bad news to all of this is that there really is no passion or thing or purpose to find outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So even if you've got one now, there's a good chance at some point you get bored with it. Right. There's a business right now that you might love that after a while you no longer want to run or pursue. It's, it's a growth process. And each time you kind of go through one of those cycles, it just gives you a different perspective from which to pursue next. We're actually after the pursuit, that interested, immersed feeling. And I had a a mentor here in Austin who said, when you're going through one of those periods where you're no longer passionate, where you're no longer interested, your best friend is boredom. Mm. Bored enough to allow that next impulse, that next interest to come about is what your brain and your body needs Mm. to be able to see and find that. But what do most of us do? Scroll on social media Mm -hmm. to avoid the, the to overeat, to get rid of the boredom, to consume information, hoping that we're going to find something. And we never let ourselves reset to be able to see 
what else we're naturally drawn to. Yeah. But that's the unlock. That's the unlock that creates the next set of opportunities. Yeah, that's where creative, the yeah. creative start to come in is that's when right. you're bored and you don't have anything right in front of you and then it comes to you. There, I, I want I want to go back to it because I have one question. I know you want to well, go there. I was just going to feed off that point. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to change the scope again all over again. Yeah. We you, you made mention of something. You said, I know how to make money. And that stuck with me because, again, I'm an inner city kid. I didn't know how to make money. No one around me was making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me it was, you know, I don't know how to make money. And I don't know anybody else around me. So, I mean, that, that is huge to say that because to you, I mean, in the way you said it, it was so casual. I know how to make money. 98% of this country and the people mm. in this country don't know how to make money. So follow, I want you to stick along that way. Tell me how do you make money? What's, there's a process, and I can see it in your face. There's a <laughs> process that you have to making money. So to your point, you're absolutely right. And that was my thought, my dominating thought from age 11 to about age 18. Is how do people make money? Like, how does that, how, how does this person get well? I was obsessed with the how I was obsessed with reverse engineering it. I mean, a lot of my content today is talking about that question just because I want to take it off the table. It's like, mm-hmm. once you know how, once you know that there's a way, all of a sudden it's not a mystery anymore. But what you find out is that the real game is doing what excites you. Mm-hmm. Making money is having something that other people want to pay for. That's how you make money. But how do you develop something that other people want to pay for? The way you develop something that other people want to pay for is having some sort of a understanding of what your person, of what the person wants or needs and having the resources to make that available. So like my, my, most of my students develop physical product brands. That's how I made about 60% of my wealth. I had a couple business that I started with a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, grew them and sold them, had nice paydays from those. And I always tell people that when you're starting something, the unlock to really having a successful business or successful venture is to know the person who is going to be paying for whatever it is that you've got. Mm. Not even to know what it is that you want to sell, not even knowing how much you're going to charge. It's just being so clear in who it is that is going to be your customer. So we could take this in like the line of us talking right now. I know that two of you are podcasters. And so let's just say that my market's podcasters. What's the biggest challenge that podcasters have said that they face? Well, Ben has already said that at the very beginning, he didn't know if people were going to listen. And he was so excited about the fact that there were people downloading it and that their lives were being touched, that it gave him the fuel to be able to start something. So the biggest challenge that I know Ben had when he started this podcast was, are people even going to listen? How do I grow this thing? How do I do this in a way that other people are going to want to tell other people about this podcast? And so my downloads go up over and over and up, up and up month over month. Well, if I know that I can find the resources to make that happen, then there are opportunities for all kinds of things to sell to that exact market. So the real unlock is knowing the person so well. And I don't care who you pick. You can pick any person in the world 
and you can identify what have they purchased over the last month that is in alignment with something that they want. I mean, you can pick a CrossFitter and say, okay, what has that person bought over the last month on their journey? Mm -hmm. And they probably bought bands. They bought a gym membership. They've changed their diet. They bought recovery drinks. They bought supplements. They bought all kinds of stuff over the last month for that specific journey. The easiest way to find this is to pick someone who has started some sort of a new journey. They started something new. So Ben started a new podcast at one time and he had these things he started researching and these things that he bought in order to go on this journey. Well, where did he buy them? Where did he pursue them? What challenges did he have along the way? Mm. And that comes down to just asking questions. And the beautiful thing about today is you can find any market (laughs) just about anywhere on the internet through forums and reddits and social media and through other people's podcasts and through YouTube videos. And you can find what people who are starting CrossFit, starting to lose weight, starting a new business, starting a podcast who are retiring, who are successful NFL players who are now looking for new opportunities. You can find any group of people and see what challenges they're having along the way. And it's your job to then go answer those challenges with opportunities for them to pay you. That's how you make money, man. I've, I've honestly, like, I'm, I'm 33 as well. I've never heard it simplified that well. That's, all that's good. That's really all good. So what, so if it's that quote unquote, simple, it's not, it's difficult. I guess it's a simple concept, but it's hard to pr- maybe execute. Um, what is, what is people's objection there? What is the most, you know, cause I think from, uh, for me, like the, maybe the lack of creativity perhaps is, is a problem what do you find with young people who are wanting to pursue something? What's their biggest hangup typically? <laughs> um, I don't know how, but that sounds like it takes time. Mm. And you're absolutely right. Nobody knows what they're doing at the beginning. You don't know how. Your job is to find the resources that other people can answer that question. And you're right, it takes time. Like, like I, I say, like one of the chapters of my book is you're going to eat blank for a year. Like you're, for the first year, you're going to, you're just going to eat it. Right. You're going to, you're going to make nothing. You're going to take home nothing. It's going to feel like nothing's working. It's going to feel like there's no progress. And then all of a sudden there's going to be progress. I tell some of the people that I work with for about six months, it's going to feel like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden you're going to take a sale and you're like, what? Wait, I actually, I just made $27. <laughs> I didn't really make $27, but I sold 27. And you're going to see all of a sudden that there's something's popping. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to become 10 sales. And your job right now is to not think about a hundred sales is to think about those 10 people who just trusted you with their 27 bucks. And you're going to go love on them so much that they had the most amazing experience and they tell everybody they know, and they give you fantastic reviews and fantastic testimonials. Yeah. And now guess what is going to happen? You're going to have 10 reviews and testimonials, which is going to bring a hundred new people. And yeah. you've got to stay thinking that small until your business is seven figures. And now your job is to bring in resources yeah. and people who can help grow and sustain that. So it does take time and yeah. it requires you to be real humble. Yes. Like, like yeah. so unbelievably humble, humble enough to ask questions, humble enough to seek help, humble enough to not pay yourself for a while, yeah. humble enough to listen to your customer, humble enough to ask what's working for them and to take yourself out of that equation. Yeah, right. And when you're that humble and actually in service to the other person, money shows up. Mm. it's this strange paradox where if you're trying to extract money, it eludes you. It runs from you. It doesn't want to be extracted, but when you are providing it, 
despite what you are getting out of it, all of a sudden money just starts to flow your way. <laughs> so true. <laughs> look, I, I, man, you're, you're speaking. Look, I started a pod, I'm a pod, I started a, you know, I'm a founder of a software company called Counterfine. And we, what we do is we eliminate counterfeit merchandise on social media platforms. So Beautiful. three years ago, being the founder of this company, I, I was on fire. Like everyone's going to need our service right now because there's so much, you know, uh, chaos going on, on Amazon and on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and we need to be taking down these, you know, taking down these uh, pirates out there. But, you know, I did all this, you know, that was the whole deal. And I, and I knew that we had something. And then we got punched in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we got punched in the face again. Mm-hmm. And, the joy like got sucked out of me kind of it was sort of like wait a minute I had the best idea ever and everyone around me told me I had the best idea now I got to run a business and through business you get your ass kicked a lot a lot and you just said it that first year for me was this is not enjoyable I'd rather go back and get smashed on the football field <laughs> than have to do what I'm dealing with because I was, wasn't just dealing with self I was dealing with other people as well and having to uh you know rally the troops at the same time so it's not I mean the the, the experience that you just said the humbling experience that you have to be willing to be humbled and go through that process and treat it as as such a process but ben always says this one thing we always talk about on the show sometimes through that process I, I i didn't i didn't enjoy the journey and it wasn't until i took my hands off of it just a little bit and allowed the company to run and it took off mm-hmm. it just took off and then there was the joy there was the enjoyment of I took my hands off and it wasn't about so much making money it was just enjoy what you're doing at the time. And then it finally opened up for us. That's exactly it. I have nothing to add. Well done. Yeah. Well, drop the mic, drop the mic. Brother. You know, another <laughs> element that we haven't mentioned, but it's, it's an obvious one is comparisonitis. I call it, Woo. you know, looking at uh, what others have that are, you, you said it a bit earlier, you know, you feel like you're still behind at 33, but <laughs> that's what, you know, I, I look at other podcasts. I, Oh, they have all these downloads and they have all these sponsors and they're doing so well. And you forget, you know, these things take time. But for me, that's my biggest issue is looking outside of my bubble, looking at whatever everybody else has. So at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about this idea of, you know, Darren, you said, I'm a person who has been wired to pursue money, mm-hmm. to, pers- to pursue wealth. And I said to you that I, I believe, like, I love money, but it's the route to something else that we want. Mm-hmm biggest mistake we make is taking score through the points on the board as measured by money but thinking that money is the is the thing we actually want right because like the truth is ben if we weren't allowed to keep score through money and we could only measure how much we were enjoying the process the weird thing of that is you have no idea how much joe rogan is enjoying his podcast Mm -hmm. right you, you have no idea how somebody else is, is measuring how good of a time they're having. You can only measure yours. So if that was the only way that we kept score. You would probably feel pretty good about your progress. Yeah. You would think about those times where you were literally dancing in your living room, thinking about how your, your show was impacting people. And it just so happens that if you can stay in that mode, we go back to that thing where money and opportunities just start to come our way. 
They just start to flow to us. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, we're somehow okay with it because we're still enjoying the process. That focus eliminates the comparison trap Mm -hmm. because the minute that you start taking score based on what other people are publicly putting Mm -hmm. on the scoreboard. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at your own scoreboard that you didn't have before. And you think you have to make one up to compare to theirs. And all of a sudden it doesn't look as good, but you have no idea what is actually going on in their experience of the project their experience of the business compared to yours. So the only thing that we can optimize for is our own enjoyment of that business. (laughs) <laughs> he's looking at me like damn where were you yeah. brian yeah where have you been and, and ben, like would you would you tell me i mean is that is that true that that comparison trap only happens when you start looking at other people's yep. scoreboard one thousand yep. percent true not even i mean because it's it's and that's what i've tried to learn in my older older years i'm still somewhat young younger than you darren but <laughs> is that enjoyment of the journey and the enjoyment of the process. Right. Because you're right. If you measure it off of that, this has been the greatest past nine months of my life, honestly. Yes. Because I've been so consumed. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's that same passion I had as a kid pursuing the sports dream. I finally mm-hmm. reignited that. And it's amazing. And, and to your point, it's like, yeah, I can look at other people and I can think about what they have that I don't yet but why not focus on the enjoyment that I've experienced these last nine months? Yeah, it's it. And, and the, and the trap here is that when we make that comparison, like if we talk about Rogan and him getting a hundred million dollars from Spotify for a podcast, and all of a sudden we take score of that, we start to mimic their style mm-hmm. and mimic the types of interviews he does. We start to mimic the show length that he does. And he says, well, Rogan does three hour podcasts. Maybe we should do three hour mm, podcasts. Right. But if but the, the truth is Joe did what Joe wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And because it was what he wanted to do, he had the excitement and the passion to keep doing it for long enough for him to cross that threshold and that barrier to entry to where he built the audience. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a podcaster or if you're starting a new business, it's the same unlock for you. It's not to look at what other people put on the scoreboard because the scoreboard is usually a reflection of how much they allowed their own selves to be expressed through the process. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our job when we're starting something new is to be able to do it in a way that allows us to be in that zone of genius for most of the time. And then do that and everything else is added right. on you as well. Right. Speaking to my heart, dude. Yeah. Hey, I, I got to go back to something real quick. And, sure. and I read a little bit about, you know, just in doing our research, the mind of a capitalist. You have the mind of a capitalist. Give us, you know, that mindset of, uh, how you approach and, and why you're so adamant about that, that type of language. It's, it's like you are proud to be a capitalist. Give us uh, in depth what that looks like for you. I think the fundamental understanding of a capitalist and of capitalism is that there's an infinite pie. There are infinite resources. There is no such thing as scarcity, meaning that you winning does not take away from my ability to win. Mm-hmm. It actually enhances it. Your ability to win and to go get rich and to create new things opens up new opportunities for me that did not exist before you were successful. Man. And when you know that, you get to just cheer for everybody because you realize that all of our jobs as capitalists is to multiply resources. It's to expand the pie. 
It is to create new opportunities. It's to solve new challenges. And that when one set of challenges is solved, guess what? A new group of challenges arises. Fossil fuels were the greatest breakthrough in mankind history. It's the reason why we are able to have so many people on the planet Mm -hmm. and have so much cheap energy. And guess what it did? Opens up a new set of challenges. Challenges like pollution and We might run out of them one day. Mm -hmm. And that challenge opens up the new pursuit of things like clean energy and solar power, which is going to do even more than fossil fuels did. Mm. Never would have got there had we not had fossil fuels in the middle. That's just one example of there being an increase of resources, an increase of opportunities that creates a new set of challenges. And those new set of challenges are rewarded financially when they're solved. That's why Elon Musk is now the richest person in the world. Mm. So because of fossil fuels, Elon gets to create new stuff and create new billions, maybe trillions of dollars. And so our job as capitalists, as entrepreneurs, is to keep expanding that pie, is to keep pursuing new resources, to keep creating new opportunities. And everyone in the aggregate benefits. Everyone. That's what creates the rising tide. That's what allows for new problems to be solved. That's what allows for new resources to be available to everybody. That's what a capitalist is. So this idea that it's dog eat dog and by you winning, you take from somebody else is the most outdated old hat belief that is still active in our society. It was never true. It's not true. And the opposite is true. The more somebody else wins, the more that exists and is possible for you. Absolutely. Amen. Okay. Now government. What is the role of government? Oh boy, let's go! I definitely want. Let's go! You're speaking our language, brother. You're all in. Keep going, amen. Preach, preacher. Look, I I think that the role of government is to protect individuals' liberty and freedom. We have the idea right now that government's job is to solve most of our problems. That when there's a problem, the fastest way to do that is government. But what government actually does is it freezes things. It holds the line. So an example of this is you talk about the Green New Deal. I think it's a good idea for us to be focusing on green energy, for us to be making it a priority in our society. But the minute that the government gets involved and does things like subsidize green energy, all of a sudden we freeze the technology that we have right now and puts it everywhere and slows down long-term progress. Yes, it would take what we have right now that's available to us and to put it into the marketplace. It'd be expensive to do so because the cost of goods are still really high. Government can't drive down costs and it can't create new things because it only can take from individual freedom Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And so it has the ability to hold the line, to freeze things, to put the best that we have available. Problem is, that the marketplace, individuals, free people, innovate much faster than government can. So we're creating new things and driving down costs way faster than the government can. So by the time that we've implemented something like putting green energy everywhere in the country, we've already surpassed that technology. And now the marketplace has has won. And it can't now get into people's hands because the government has held the line. It's frozen. Right. So my opinion is that government gets in the way more than it helps. And the purpose of government is to be able to protect individual freedom so that we're all able to serve one another. Purpose of money, purpose of wealth, purpose of business, 
is to fund and sustain service to one another. We're recording this podcast on Zoom right now. Now, we don't think about the founder of Zoom when we're doing this. We don't say, thank you, Lord, for the founder of Zoom. (laughs) It's just here and available to us. And as a result of this technology, we're able to record something that hopefully touches somebody else's life. And as a result, that might inspire someone to start a business and take $1,000 and to start a new business and to create something that makes them wealthy and serves a lot of people. And we might not even ever hear from that person. But because of the founder of Zoom, we're able to do this, inspires one person to start a new business. And they did it and launched it on Amazon. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. That's the purpose of the marketplace. That's the purpose of capitalism for us to be able to create opportunities that serve one another, for us to be able to invest in projects that make the world better, that open up new things that solve problems for each other. But when we outsource that to government, we actually slow it down because we've removed the incentives that make it exciting for us to serve one another. The world is literally stacked for us to be happy and in service to one another. We get excited when there's growth. We get we feel love for one another. We have dopamine kicks when we make mm-hmm. new money and solve yep. a new challenge. We're literally wired to be happy and to serve one another. I, my opinion is government slows that down Absolutely. because it allocates against our choice resources that a few people decide is best. So the role of government is to protect us from taking away each other's liberties, from harming one another in a way that takes away from our freedom because the fastest way we serve one another is to be free people and to be wired to serve one another. Amen. Yeah. And Hey, we're not a political show at all, but I am curious the way we're headed and in your opinion, what does it look like? What does the future look like in your opinion? If we keep going down the path that we're headed. I'm very excited. I am immensely optimistic. I, I, I think we are on the cusp of more abundance than we've ever seen. And I do not fear the rising demand for more socialism. I, I, I don't fear it one bit because I know it doesn't work. Right. Because I, the only thing that that will do if somebody that I don't like gets elected and makes decisions and tax rates go up and we fund more clunky programs is that we'll fail bigger and go, you know what? That didn't work. Let's move on. That's right. That's so true. Right. So I don't fear it one bit because I know how this plays out. I, I, I know that freedom works. I know that capitalism solves problems. I know that individuals solve challenges better than collective governments do. And so if we go the opposite direction, it'll be like we bumped up against a wall, hit our head and say, maybe we don't run into that wall anymore. Mm. And instead we go into the other direction. It looks a lot like more freedom and opportunity. Plus there are so many things happening in the marketplace that are making governments obsolete. They're just, they're just eliminating the need for government programs. Look at what has happened to the reputation and the brand of college over the last year. Like you have, you have Ivy league schools trying to, charge full price admission for online college. And and, and, did anybody think college was working before all of this? (laughs) Did did anybody look at this situation and say, you know, you know, what's really working, putting kids in debt and telling them that's right. So true, man. So, but we, but, but government got in and incentivized all of this and tried to make it possible for these kids. Like they, they, their hearts are in the right place. They just messed up the whole system. And we're realizing, you know what? I don't think this works. I think we need a different system. And that is going to happen across the board with a lot of things that we consider sacred cows. 
So I'm really excited about the, the future of the country, the future of the world. I think we are just on the cusp of more freedom, abundance, and capitalism that we have ever seen. Man, I love the confidence. I love the optimism. Dude, because pre, pre, Brother Ryan is bringing Ryan. the funk today. He went back to school. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in Maryville in the, in the front pew just clapping along, baby. Maybe man. I did become a pastor, Ben. Yeah, I was just saying, you, you keep on preaching, man. Keep on preaching. So, Ryan, what's next? And, we, we, you know, we know time is, is not on our side here on the show. But what's, what's next for you right now? Yeah, right now, I am really enjoying helping young entrepreneurs. I'm really enjoying watching that passion of some of my students have their first sale and dancing around their living room. Mm. Um, because, because I know that change is not just a life, but, a, but an entire generation. Like there, there are people who have, have built companies and sold them for eight figures, more than $10 million that were young kids, 22, 23, fresh out of college, and like their whole family's changed now. Mm-hmm. And it's like one, one more step in creating more freedom in the world. Right. Um, I am really enjoying just creating content from this inspired place of just like speaking to what I believe is happening in the world and encouraging those who had that same conflict that I had of like, do I go in the direction of being an entrepreneur? Like, is it okay for me to be want to be rich? Mm-hmm. Let me say, yes, is the best thing that you can do for the world. And like that, that to me is my message is, is showing people that capitalism is a really good thing yeah. and you being successful is a great gift that you can give to the rest of the world and helping people take one step towards that direction is a thing that makes me more excited than anything. Man, that's awesome. So other than buying your book, which is 12 months to 1 million, is that the only book you've written? Have you written more? It, it, it's the only one. One day okay. I'll write a book called Losing My Religion, which will be about faith and that journey. Yeah. But right, right now, probably the best, like the most affordable and the most complete way that I can serve somebody is, is them, you know, grabbing the book. Yep. If, if you want to, if you want to get it from the library or torrent it, I don't care. Just read it. Yeah. If you're, if you're the type of entrepreneur who wants to do this, go find a copy. That's probably the, the, the best way that I could serve. Okay. And my podcast is called capitalism.com. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is so other than reading your book, listening to your podcast and maybe even hiring you as a consultant, what advice do you give to young entrepreneurs? What's just something general, just kind of as a first step encouragement that you could tell people, you know, it's so cliche, but like it's, it's the thing that I tell almost everyone like your life and your business changes when you realize that it is first all about the customer, all about the person, the faster you can be unselfish, the faster you get everything you selfishly want. Mm. And number two, marrying that with the thing that truly makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Like do, doing the thing that you actually want to be doing once you get the money. If you can actually answer the question of what do I want to do with my time once I make the money, and you can do it in a way that puts the entire spotlight on the person you want to serve, your life and your bank account gets real good, real quick. Mm. And like 80% of the work that I do is getting people to not do things that don't fulfill those two requirements. It's like TikTok just came out. Should I put a lot of attention to that? Is that what you want to be doing with your time when you're rich? No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> can, you, can you do TikTok in a way that serves your person that you want to serve? I don't think so. You're 0 for 2 on this one. Right. So no, you probably shouldn't learn how to do a bunch of TikTok videos. Yeah. 
And, and, and so it's 80% just telling them not to do those things and to put all of their time and energy in just serving the people they want to serve in the way that they genuinely can serve. Man, that's a great yeah. lens yeah. to look at through. So we've got one final question. We ask every guest this, but before I get to that, where can people find you? How can we connect with you? Capitalism.com is my podcast. My YouTube channel is my own name, Ryan Moran. That's actually where I'm putting the majority of my content right now. And then, of course, my book can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Audible, the library, and it's called 12 Months to 1 Million. Okay, wait, before you go, before you go, before he asks that question, Pump you, you, mentioned, you mentioned students. Yeah. You've mentioned students. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. What type of students? Are, are you teaching a class or, or are you just mentoring uh, young entrepreneurs? Yeah, th- thanks for asking. So capitalism.com basically has, has two products. We have a mentoring group, which is called The 1%. And 99% of businesses never cross a million dollars. So I started a group to help people become part of the 1%, the 1% of people who have million dollar businesses. And that's where my team and I do one-on-ones with people. We do broadcasts and we have trainings in there that are helping people specifically build million dollar businesses and invest the profits for long-term wealth. And that's uh, capitalism.com slash one. And then uh, the other product that we have is an incubator. It's called the Capitalism Incubator. And that's where I personally and some of my resources actually come in and help people cast a vision for businesses and help people dial in, okay, what is the business that I want to bring to the world? Mm. How do I create relationships and partnerships with people who can execute this for me? So I stay in the owner's chair and the capitalist chair, and I'm not in there doing all of the grunt work that doesn't make me excited. And so we bring in relationships with agencies and other partnerships that can allow you to stay in the owner's chair and then also have enough funding and capital to be able to build out the business that you want. So we have a fund at capitalism.com that invests in our students that invests in exciting projects. And we also have relationships with investors who are looking for businesses to fund. And so once they dial in their vision and they have a team that can support them, which is usually outside resources that we recommend, then we have the investors there that are willing to put up the money to help kick off that business off the ground. And then we mentor them for a year to be able to build a seven figure business that they can sell. That's awesome. So that, that's our incubator. It's called the capitalism incubator and that's at capitalism.com slash Inc. I N C. Maybe a dumb question, but are you specializing in physical products, uh, services or both? As like right now, as I answer this question today, we're opening up a round that is, it's like 80% focused on physical product brands because that's what we know best Mm -hmm. throughout 2021. Our goal is actually to be able to broaden that, to be able to cover all businesses because the process is the same of casting a great vision, Mm -hmm. ensuring that you've got a great team in place and having enough capital to be able to carry out your obligations. It's the formula to win regardless of what business you're in. So we'll be widening that net. But as of right now, our focus is doing such a good job for the students that are coming in that we now have the reputation to be able to take it to other markets as well. Is there an age age limit on on that? You know, (laughs) funny you should ask. Um, So... I've got a four-year-old. Are are you working with four-year-olds by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) I've got, I've got an 18 year old student who just launched his business last week and took his first $2,000 in sales. Mm. We're so pumped for him. His name is Kirthan. Super, super jazzed for him. And then I've, I've got uh, a few students in their, in their late sixties. So, so I guess uh, 16 might be the minimum unless you've got a, <laughs> yeah. a parental advisor. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something we didn't touch on it, and we don't have to get 
go too far down the rabbit hole, but the thought of, oh, I'm too old. I'm past my, mm. I'm past my window to you be know, able to do this. Ben, I'm so fascinated with a, an author that's named Trevor Blake. And uh, Trevor did not start his first business until he was 43. And maybe it was 45, early 40s. And then in 10 years, his first 10 years, he had three business exits for a total of $300 million. Ooh, wow. Today he's in Go his Trevor. 60s. And he's still starting new businesses and, and, and doing it under a similar model of casting a vision, bringing in a team, raising the money. And you know, he, he works three to five hours a day, goes for two-hour hikes in the woods with his dogs, lives a super calm lifestyle, has sold businesses worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm just fascinated by his approach to yeah. start late and to still – at his age, be starting That's new right. things and be really confident in That's it. Right. So there is hope for you, Darren. Yeah. Good. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> All right. Well, one or two things I'm going to do after this episode for sure is I'm going to go to Amazon. I'm going to buy your book. Yep. And Thank then we're you. also going to go to capitalism.com and, and check out the website. That's so right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Last question. This is the banger we like to ask everybody. Well, hold on. Sorry. We've got a producer that, that is actually son, Darren's son. Who's going to be uh, wants, on the website today signing up for the class. That's for sure. Awesome. He's, he's got a question for you. Welcome. All right. How you doing, sir? Hey, man. What's your name? DJ Woodson. What's up, DJ? Good to meet you. Man, good to hear you too. Or good to meet you too, man. I am, this is probably my favorite podcast so far. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a beginning entrepreneur and i just have one question man i uh it's more of a personal question when you started out or when you were uh i got it um when you started out did you listen to the outside noise um mm. i i really about i, I do content I'm, my business all circulates around content and um creating content i'm trying to start like a, a building for that for kids and um, I really know my business, I feel, you know, I really feel like I know, um, just every, the ins and outs and everything through my research, but I kind of, you know, I, I get handicapped sometimes cause I really do listen to outside noise and I just wanted to see how you handle that. You know, DJ, I learned by making mistakes and that means like running 30 miles an hour into a wall saying, man, that hurt. And then running in the other direction. And one of the things that I, I learned is like, I, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Like I've, I've met him several times. I think he's a saint of a human being. He's like even, even better in person than you see publicly. He's just a genuine, amazing person. But when I make content like him, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like when I try to edit my content in a way that I see him preaching and doing, I just look like another Gary V. And my audience feels that and they don't like it because they can get the same thing from Gary Vee. Exactly. The more advice that I take from other people who are creating content, the worse my content is. Mm -hmm. The truth is the marketplace values uniqueness. It values things that are different. It values things that can help individuals in a way that they haven't seen before. And so listening to the noise or copying other people can be a great short-term strategy for somebody who has no idea what to do. Uh A a good good story of this, we read this story in college about two groups that were put to a a test 
where they were put into the woods and they were timed to see how fast they could get to their target destination. To one group, they gave no map. To the other group, they gave them a map, but it was a wrong map. They gave them like a a map to a different location. And say timed, okay, which one of these is going to get out of the woods faster? And what they found was that the team with the wrong map made it out faster than the teams that were given no direction at all. And the reason for that was because the teams who had direction collaborated, made decisions, and went, and they course-corrected along the way. Whereas the team with no idea, they sat there coming up with a strategy, they sat there with no idea what to do, and they froze, essentially. So listening to the noise, listening to other people's opinions is great for that starting entrepreneur who has no idea what to do and they just need to start doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But once you know your stuff, like Mm -hmm. you say that you do, Mm -hmm. the marketplace values your unique spin Mm -hmm. on what it desires. And when you've got that, you are the noise. Mm. Like you're you're the market leader now. So listening to other people puts you behind. Mm. So my advice to you is to shut out the noise and keep doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And eventually they start copying you and talking about you rather than the opposite. Ooh. Thank you so much, sir. That's good you stuff. Bet. That's you good bet, stuff. Man. All right. Last question. Me, DJ. That, 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 that was good. Last question. All right. You can go back to any point in your life and you can tell yourself one thing. Doesn't mean you go necessarily change anything, but you can go back and just tell yourself one thing. Where do you go and what do you tell yourself? Go to the 13 year old kid who used to come into an empty house after school, after my mom had to go back to work and my dad was off living his life and my brother was playing football after school and I was suddenly alone where I was used to being with my family. And I would look at the kid who was trying to find purpose and feeling lost and feeling alone. And I would look at him and I say, the challenge that you're going through now are going to end up being the greatest gift that you get to the rest of the world. So do not sweat this hard season of life because as a result of getting through it, you will be a a better man, a bigger contributor and a greater server to humanity as a result of you doing this good work. So good, man, Ryan, we appreciate you, brother. This is a blast. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This was (laughs) enlightening in so many ways. And and again, I can't wait to read the book because I know it's just going to bring that much more, more awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll be on the website today. My family will be on the website today, but you're going to have another reach out to me. Absolutely. He will be reaching out to you today. So, I, Ryan, we appreciate your time, man. Um, you've brought so much value to not only us personally, but to our listeners mm-hmm. as well, man. So we appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, when you're in Dallas, let us know. Yep. You, I'm you're, three you're hours close. south. I'll yeah. come your way. Yeah, we'd love to have you in person next time. Get off this Zoom call. So <laughs> Sounds great. I'll do it. Thank you, gentlemen. All, All right, right, brother. Thanks, Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan.